0: Do you remember way back in Mark chapter 10 when James and John asked Jesus, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory? Seems like ages ago, I know. But do you remember Jesus' answer? Jesus asks James and John in turn, Can you drink the cup that I will drink or be baptized with my baptism? They don't think twice about it, do they? They just say, yeah, sure, we can. Jesus then tells them, indeed, you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. It's a harsh answer. Sure, you'll drink the cup. But you're not going to get the spots of glory that you so crave. They won't get to be at the right and left. After all, we all know who, get, who ends up at Jesus' right and left in the Gospel of Mark. Two criminals. But they will drink Jesus' cup all the same. And what is this cup? When the image of the cup occurs in the Bible, it is quite often identified with God's anger. Psalm 75.8 reads, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine well mixed. He will pour a draft from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it to the dregs. Isaiah 51.17 makes the identification explicit in this summons to a weary and battered Jerusalem. Rouse yourself, rouse yourself, stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs the bowl of staggering. And Jeremiah is commanded to make the nations drink from that same cup of God's wrath. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. They shall drink and stagger and go out of their minds because of the sword that I am sending among them. It's judgment, isn't it? It's a lot of judgment and justice, we might say, as well. But the cup that Jesus is talking about is not only identified with God's wrath, Sometimes it is the cup of blessing and salvation. From Psalm 16, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. And from Psalm 116, What shall I return to the Lord for all His bounty to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. With Jesus, the cup of wrath and suffering is the same as the cup of salvation and blessing. At supper that night with his friends, the very same friends who would fail him, Jesus lifted up a cup of wine, gave it to them to drink, and after they drank it, said, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. After they drank it. Can you imagine what their reaction must have been? After they heard Jesus say that, they probably could have heard a pin drop. Jesus is saying that his suffering and death is for the sake of many people. People like his friends who failed him so badly that night. People like us who fail him every day. Jesus feeds us with his very self so that through his death we find life. What makes this more extraordinary is that this amazing sacrifice was not a given for the Son of God to do. The cup of blessing is the same as the cup of suffering. Think of it. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, co-equal and co-eternal with his Abba Father, does not want to drink it. He begs his Father to take it away. This is one of the great mysteries of the Incarnation. God in Christ is fully human, with all that entails with all that entails except for sin. Jesus is subject to human weaknesses and experiences all human emotions, and the emotion for him in in at Gethsemane is dread, fear, deep dread. Keep in mind, Jesus already knows he's going to be raised up. He said that three times in the Gospel of Mark. But the cross is in the way. And the cross is beyond all rationality. No human being in her right mind would want to go there. None of us want to go there. It is only because Jesus' will is aligned with His Father that He can drink the cup of suffering and death for our sake and hand us the cup of life. The cup of life we receive is pure grace. And moreover, the cup of life is not just given to us in physical form. The sacrament of communion, to be sure, is very important for the collective life of faith, for the life of the commun- community. When we drink the wine and eat the bread, we receive the Word of God in physical form. Many of us miss it dearly. But it is not and cannot be necessary for individual salvation. Here's an example. In 1620, the Tokugawa shogunate in Japan banned Christianity. Christianity. They martyred many. Members of the church went underground for over 250 years. 250 years without clergy and without written scriptures. They only had the proclaimed Word of God that was passed down from parent to child and the sacrament of baptism. No clergy, no sacraments, except for baptism. And yet, when Father Bernard Petit-Jean visited Japan in 1865, he found a thriving Christian community in Nagasaki. How did that happen? The grace of God. In the United States, our own history is filled with this. Christians, including our Lutheran ancestors, sometimes went months Sometimes years without communion because it took a pastor that long to reach them. The practice of infrequent communion, of course, continued without very good theological warrant after you had a more resident clergy, but the point is still the same. The Christian community survived because of the word. The cup of salvation is always available to us believers. If not physically, then it's available spiritually. Jesus' promise that we will share in the cup of life is always valid. Pandemic or no pandemic. Within a physical gathering or in a virtual gathering, the cup of life is always present. It's present for you and present for me. The same cup that the disciples shared The same cup that Japanese Christians shared while underground. The same cup shared among our ancestors in faith. It's the same cup for you. Amen.